0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you for opening God's Word. And uh, it was obviously in English on the screen behind us. Uh, but what, and um, uh, I've, I've still been stirred from a couple of weeks ago when uh, Zach Sargent, one of our student ministers, um, shared about the mission to make Jesus known to the nations and we ought to consider where we can go. Uh, but even if we don't go anywhere, the nations are here in our city. Uh, we have opportunities intentionally to build relationships and reach people from all over the world uh, who are here in Brisbane. Hey, uh, let me add to the welcomes that you've already received uh, tonight. Welcome to church, particular welcome to you if this is your first time with us. Uh, We are so glad that you're here. My name is Dave. Uh, It is my honour to serve as the lead pastor of this church. I'm married to Rowena, got three kids. Two of them are here tonight uh, and it is good uh, to gather as the people of God. Hey, uh, one quick shout out, our uh, new uh, women's... Discipleship minister is in the house. That's exciting. Row number two here, Mel, Steve, along with their kids. Uh, let's bit, bit more noise. Bit more noise. There we go. Uh, we'll have the opportunity next week uh, to get to know them a little better. Hey, uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't heard it acknowledged yet tonight. But uh, Ash Barty, how about that? Come on, that's worth a cheer. Barty party all night. What a win, what a legend. 5 1 down in the second set, uh, ends up winning it. Two sets to love. Uh, What a moment. Hope you got to capture that as well. Hey, uh, before we dig into God's word tonight, uh, just a a bit of a heads up on our hopes and dreams and plans that we are holding relatively loosely uh, moving forward into February. You may have seen this if you get our emails. If you don't get our emails, make sure you sign up via coa.co slash briz. Uh, But we've haven't had morning services in January as we've been stewarding resources and had plenty of people with COVID and plenty of people in isolation uh, and we're hoping to come back again next week with morning services, that's good news. Uh, we're really glad we've been able to do this uh, here uh, with our night service and so from next week Um, because we're still aware that there's people who uh, are out of action over the next few weeks uh, and some people laying low and so on, uh, we're going to come back with one morning service to begin with. uh, And we can kind of fairly quickly uh, turn that into two uh, if everyone's back and things are doing well, uh, and we will do that. But at the moment, we're planning for February to be one service and then by March to move back to the two morning services. Uh, Watch this space. Uh, At the moment, it will probably be 8.30 a.m. We were looking at 9.30 a.m. to kind of split the difference, uh, but we're thinking 8.30 a.m. as we talk with the cinema will actually work better uh, for our kids' programs uh, and everything that that involves as well. Uh, We'll confirm that via email and social media this week, so keep an eye out for it. Uh, And we'll be back here again next week, 5.30 p.m., here in this service. Hey, why don't we uh, pray one more time uh, and ask that God would speak to us powerfully now as we reflect upon his word our gracious God and loving heavenly father we thank you once again that we can gather together as your people and father as your people we want to say thank you for your word Uh, you haven't left us to guess what you are like but you have revealed yourself to us by speaking and so father we ask that right now you would give us faith to receive your word, and that by the power and the illumination of your Holy Spirit, you'd enable us to understand what it means, and that you would give us that deep desire and will to put it into practice. And Father, we pray this boldly and confidently uh, through Jesus Christ, our risen, ruling, and returning King. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, well, as Emma has already said, uh, throughout January, we've been looking at the final paragraph in the Gospel according to Matthew. And by the time you get to the final paragraph of one of the Gospels, guess what? The Gospels are over. The Gospel is finished. The Gospel is complete. Now, what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel simply means good news. And so when Christians talk about the gospel, we are talking about the good news of Jesus. In particular, the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners through the perfect life, the sacrificial death and the triumphant resurrection of King Jesus. Throughout Matthew's gospel, we read of that perfect life of Jesus. We read of the way that he responds to on point every time no matter the opposition that comes against him we see him teach as one who has authority we see him perfect in his compassion his mercy and his justice jesus as we meet him in the gospel according to matthew really is the one who lives a perfect life he certainly lived the life that israel have failed to live and he lives the life that all people have failed to live. He always honors his father. He always loves his neighbor. And kind of the, the high point and the heart of the gospel message uh, is ultimately Jesus' death upon the cross. In Matthew 20, Jesus even says, "For the Son of Man came to give." His life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve and give up his life, to pay the penalty for our sin, to rescue us, to buy us freedom. Jesus not only lives on our behalf, but he dies on our behalf as he goes to the cross in our place and for our sin. But good news. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Death could not hold him down. He is alive. He is raised triumphantly from the grave. And the hope of Christianity, the hope of Jesus, is that like Jesus' tomb is empty, our tombs will also be empty. Those who put their trust in King Jesus will have had him live for them, have had him die for them, and will have a new life, a resurrection life, an eternal life through him. That's good news. And we've read all of that if we had been tracking through the 28 chapters of the gospel according to Matthew. Is that good news? Amen? It's great news. Now for some of you this may be new news and if this is new news maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus and every week at City on a Hill we have people who join us who are just investigating the claims of Jesus, who may not have a religious background, who may not currently be a follower of Jesus. If that's you we are so glad that you are here. You're welcome every week as we consider Jesus. Look, it might well be that as you hear these things about Jesus, whether that's tonight or over recent weeks or however many months or times you've been coming along with us. that as you hear about what Christ has done in the gospel, the good news of his death, his burial, his resurrection, as, as we hear that news, maybe you'd like to learn more about the new life that Jesus offers through his life. Uh, If that is the case, uh, please let us know. Please come and chat to me afterwards. I'd love to catch up with you this week. Uh, Please speak to our team out in the foyer, fill out one of those digital connect forms. Uh, We'd love to have a a deeper conversation, a longer conversation, and maybe answer some of the questions you've still got about Jesus. But for many of us here, this gospel of Jesus Christ, His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His triumphant resurrection, uh, is news we've believed for a while. And I hope and trust that as we've arrived at the final paragraph and actually slowed down over the whole month to consider this paragraph called the Great Commission, that perhaps we've been stirred to give ourselves more fully to that work. The Gospel is now complete, one paragraph to go and Jesus gives His disciples then a task. It's a a task that they were given and it's a task that has been passed on from one generation to another. The next. What is the task? Kind of, I guess, a summary of the last two weeks is getting disciples and growing disciples. So getting new followers of Jesus and then helping them to grow as followers of Jesus. And in many senses, that's really at the heart of who we are as a church. Uh, Emma kicked off at the start and spoke about how our mission is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. You know, getting disciples is all about making Jesus known, that they would find life as they put their trust in Him. And growing disciples is all about knowing Jesus. Uh, I love that uh, Olivia, our uh, City Kids coordinator, put together, along with a bunch of the City Kids leaders, a fantastic uh, 10-minute summary uh, with some great input from a whole bunch of leaders on the Great Commission. And she kind of beautifully spoke about just the ongoing circle you know, we we, we know Jesus. Uh, we make Jesus known so that others will know Jesus and then they will also make Jesus known so that others will know Jesus and then they will also make Jesus known. There's this ongoing cycle that as we make Jesus known, we want to grow deeper in knowing him and keep making him known that those who put their trust in him would also know him and then make him known. You know, this final paragraph of Matthew's Gospel, and I hope if you've been tracking with us these last few weeks, I hope that you felt something of a sense of being fired up, right? It's a firing up the troops type of moment. Just before Jesus ascends back to His Father, He has this inspiring, convicting, let's go get him" paragraph. I hope... You have been stirred to give yourself more fully to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Is it okay, though, if I'm real for a moment? Is that okay? Oh, it doesn't sound like that's okay. Is it okay if I'm real for a moment? Okay, good. <laughs> Let me be totally honest. The reality is that life on mission... Giving ourselves to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, giving ourselves to obeying the Great Commission can actually be really hard. Is it okay if I say that? And and, and aside from going out there boldly and proclaiming Christ, aside from that, the Christian life in general can be pretty hard, right? You know, it might well be as you even think about your Christian story, there was this joy and this enthusiasm when you first encountered Jesus and I want to live for Him and I want to make Him known and and yet life didn't all of a sudden get easier because you became a Christian and perhaps some of the gloss and some of the shine of originally becoming a Christian has worn off. So often in the Christian life we are confronted by disappointments. So often in the Christian life, rather than being encouraged, we end up discouraged. You know, maybe you're here tonight and the thing you're discouraged by is yourself. You're still struggling with that same sin. You know, you you know that you can't be perfect, but you just habitually can't move on. And you're trying to put it to death, but you keep coming back to that same sin and you're discouraged by it. You know, likewise, maybe you're hurt in the context of relationships with other Christians. You know, the the church is a wonderful place where we find genuine relationships with others who also follow after Jesus, and yet the church is also a place where our relationships are broken, (laughs) where we hurt the people we love, where we struggle to get on like we would like, where there's unspoken things, there's no-go zones, and... And frankly, that's disappointing after you've maybe read something of the vision of what the people of God ought to look like in Scripture. You know, it might be tonight you're actually just really disappointed or discouraged that maybe for years, maybe for decades, you've prayed for the same loved ones. You've shared the gospel with them on repeat, and yet they reject it, they reject it, they reject it, they reject it. And you, you desperately want them to know Jesus as well. You know, personally, one of the things I find Incredibly difficult is those that have responded to the gospel of Jesus, those that have professed to put their faith in him who then walk away from him. That's hard and if someone's going to turn their back on Jesus, guess what, they'd certainly turn their back on the pastor of the church. They certainly ghost you on the text message, they certainly won't answer phone calls, they certainly will not be interested in any type of ongoing relationship, not judgment and condemnation but I actually love you and I care for you. I want to continue to encourage you in whatever way that I can. What do you do with that? What do you do with the disappointments and the discouragements as a Christian? What do you do with the disappointments and the discouragements as you kind of get up and go out there and you're on Christ's mission? Well, the big question we're going to consider tonight is this. How do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life? At one level, we want to ask this question about mission and obeying the Great Commission. But look, it's even a more foundational principle than that. How do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life in general? This really is uh, an important question for every single one of us tonight. I know as I look around the room, I know of various things that people are struggling with. Uh, People are deeply discouraged, disappointed, And perhaps you're here tonight, and I don't know your story, and I don't know what you're going through, but you're barely hanging in there. How do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life? Well, to answer that question, let me reread the paragraph that we've already had read out for us from Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. If you've got a Bible, keep it out and keep it open. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, "'And Jesus came and said to them, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me.'" Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life? Well, there's two things I want you to see in the final sentence. Two things I want you to see in that final sentence, the second half of verse 20, two things to believe. Number one is that Jesus is with us and number two is that Jesus is coming back. These are the two things I want to urge you to take hold of tonight, to believe wholeheartedly to be true, that Jesus is with us, number one, and number two, that Jesus is coming back. Have a look at the verse with me. Uh, verse 20 again, it says, "'And behold, I am with you always.'" to the end of the age. We're going to look at those two phrases. We're not going to talk about and behold for much other than, and behold, listen to the rest of the verse. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Uh, If you've got a Bible, keep it out and keep it open. We're going to uh, spend some time, obviously there in verse 20, but we're going to venture into some other parts of Matthew's gospel uh, and indeed other parts of the New Testament as well. Who's ready for the first of those things? Come on, number one, uh, believe that Jesus is... With us, if you're writing notes, number one, Jesus is with us. That first part of the final sentence, Jesus says, I am with you always. As a wonderful word of assurance from Jesus, and as a wonderful invitation to believe the word of Jesus, that Jesus is with us, Jesus is with his disciples who were there on that mountain receiving that word and Jesus continues to be with all who follow him. You know in Matthew's gospel we won't turn there but in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 remember it said behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Before Jesus is even born we see that Jesus is Emmanuel in fulfillment of all of God's promises in the Old Testament. Jesus arrives, his name is Emmanuel because in him We have God come amongst us. God is with us. And then the the experience of the disciples, and we don't learn a lot about Jesus' early life, but there's kind of this three-year window where the Gospels really zoom on in. And for three years of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus is with his disciples. They travelled, they ate, they camped, they ministered, they grieved, they rejoiced, they did these things together. Jesus was in their midst, God was in their midst. You know, one of the key turning point moments in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 16, again, we won't turn there, we won't spend long here, but in Matthew chapter 16, Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Christ, that is the promised King of Kings, the Messiah, the anointed one, and then Jesus says these rousing words, he says, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. And as hard as the enemy may try, Jesus will continue to build his church. The enemy will try to dismantle this project. The enemy will try to cut it down. But Jesus will continue and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, when when you kind of imagine being with Jesus in Matthew 28 on that mountain during this final paragraph of the gospel moment you can imagine a little bit of confusion can't you think about it for a moment Jesus is Emmanuel he is God with them Jesus has shared his life with them over some gruelling years and Jesus has promised that he will build his church through them And the Great Commission has just begun with this declaration that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. You know, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And yet, while this final sentence of the gospel says Jesus is always with them, we know what's about to happen. What's about to happen between now and the book of Acts, which is kind of the gospel's part two. Jesus is about to ascend back to his father's right hand. You know, we've got the king of the kingdom who has lived, who has died, who has been raised again. He is building his church, and yet, what good is it to have a kingdom without the presence of the king? How is it possible for Jesus to continue to be with his people? How can Jesus say, I am with you always, and then exit? (laughs) Leave. How can that be possibly true? Well, the answer is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come. You know, the the Gospel is the triune God at work in the world. What do I mean by triune? Well, it comes from the word Trinity. What do I mean by the word Trinity? Well, it comes from two words, tri and unity. And what what does that mean? Well, uh, unity, there is one God. There is only one God uh, to be worshipped. Uh, And yet there are three persons within the one Godhead. One God, but three persons in the Godhead. And throughout the Gospels, we see the way that Father, Son and Spirit are at work to fulfill their mission in the world. God the Father sends God the Son into the world on a mission. Having completed His earthly mission in His life, in His death and in His resurrection, Uh, God the Father and God the Son then send God the Spirit. So Jesus is about to ascend back to the Father's right hand. And so Father and Son are going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in all of God's people. Uh, And and then uh, wonderfully, like mission is all about how God, the triune God, invites us in to be part of His mission in the world. As the Father has sent the Son, as the Son and the Father have sent the Spirit, so Jesus sends us, filled with the Holy Spirit, to continue making Jesus known. You know, not long before uh, His death and His resurrection, kind of in the the lead up to it, um, Jesus prepared His disciples for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 14, 15, 16, uh, those three chapters are a stunning uh, section of Scripture. I'll get you to turn there because we'll spend a couple of minutes here in John 14 uh, and John 16, and we'll look at a few verses together. Jesus promises the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pick it up with me, John 14, verse 15. It says, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments.'" Live. I love that picture. The King of the Kingdom, he's not leaving his people as orphans. You know, I'm not deserting you. You're not going to be abandoned, but I'm going to send you a helper, a counsellor, an advocate, one who comes alongside his people, one who dwells in his people, the Holy Spirit. I love in... Uh, fantastic book, my favorite book from 2020. I read it again in 2021. And I'm planning on reading it in 2022. Uh, it's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's all about God, Christ's heart uh, towards sinners and sufferers. It is a stunning book. Let me urge you to read the book. But uh, I love Dane Ortland in, um, in his section speaking about how Jesus and his spirit are our advocate. Uh, he says this He says, uh, I'll go from uh, Christ continues to intercede on our behalf in heaven because we continue to fail here on earth he does not forgive us through his work on the cross and then hope we make it the rest of the way picture a glider i love this image pulled up into the sky by an airplane soon to be released to float down to earth he says we are that glider and christ is the plane but he never disengages He never lets go, wishing us well, hoping we can glide the rest of the way into heaven. He carries us all the way. It's a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture even of advocacy, of a counsellor, of a helper who comes alongside. How does Christ do that? How does Christ not disengage and take us all the way home? By his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Uh, What else does the Spirit do? Uh, Jump down to uh, verse 25. Uh, Verse 25, he says, "'These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, "'but the Helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, "'whom the Father will send in my name, "'he will teach you all things "'and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. "'Peace I leave with you. "'My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, "'do I give to you. "'Let not your hearts be troubled, "'neither let them be afraid.'" you heard me say to you i am going away and i will come to you if you loved me you would have rejoiced because i am going to the father for the father is greater than i and now i have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place you may believe i love that that even that final section he's he's letting them know what's coming And so that when it happens, they're like, oh, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. The Spirit will come. The Spirit will be their teacher. The Spirit will bring to their remembrance, remind them of all the teaching of Jesus. You know, the Spirit, uh, without the Spirit, the mission falls flat. The Great Commission will not be fulfilled without the Spirit dwelling in the lives of these disciples and indeed of us today. Jump forward with me to chapter 16. We'll read a few verses Chapter 16, verse five, Jesus says, but now I am going to go into him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. These really are beautiful verses and beautiful truths of what the Spirit will do after Jesus ascends and the Spirit descends and enters into not only the disciples, but all who call on the name of the Lord. The Spirit is the one who will convict the world regarding sin. The Spirit is the one who will convict the world regarding righteousness and the righteousness and forgiveness and access to God that is found only in Jesus. Number one... Jesus is with us. Uh, In Michael Horton's book called The Gospel Commission, uh, I love this quote he says uh, regarding this final sentence in Matthew 28. He says, Jesus is not waiting for us to fulfill the Great Commission before he returns in glory. Rather, he is fulfilling the Great Commission. How? By his word and spirit and will return on the day that the Father has set. This relieves us of an impossible burden, liberating us to participate in the missionary movement in which the triune God has been engaged from the beginning of the world. Uh, So much in there. Isn't that wonderful though? Isn't there something liberating? That it's it's not Jesus giving the troops their marching orders and then, look, good luck. It's probably not going to go too well. Not sure you're going to be successful. Yeah, think about that. No, no, I will be with you. This mission will succeed. Jesus is building His church. The Great Commission will go out. Yes, we go in obedience. Yes, we obey this teaching of Jesus. But we know the way that God works so powerfully is by His Word, as His Spirit brings this Gospel Word alive in the lives of those who need to know Him. You know, know, that's liberating, isn't it? It means our task is not conversion. Our task is is not fruit. Only the Spirit of God can bring fruit in the lives of someone that is dead. Only God can bring someone from death to life. Good news, we've got a gospel that enables someone to be brought from death to life. But our task is to be faithful in the proclamation of Jesus Knowing that Jesus is with us, knowing that Jesus is completing, fulfilling the great commission as his word is made known and as the spirit illuminates that word to a world that needs to know him. Brothers and sisters, do you belong to Jesus? If you belong to Jesus, know this without a shadow of doubt tonight that he is with us always is with us always, individually He is with us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, individually we have the Holy Spirit if we've responded as Ephesians 1 verse 13 suggests. It says, in Him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. We're not waiting for some subsequent Holy Spirit conversion moment. That is not the normative way in which the Holy Spirit comes. The normative way, Paul suggests, is when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in Him, you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you as you believe that gospel word of Christ brothers and sisters if you're trusting christ you've got the holy spirit dwelling in you isn't that wonderful but not just individually corporately as the people of god not just the persons of god but the people of god we have the spirit doing something among us as we gather together as his people turn the page to ephesians 2 verse 18 it says for through jesus we have we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, verse 22, you also are being built together together into a dwelling place for god by the spirit god is at work among us god's spirit is is building within us a dwelling place not just individual tents but the people of god with god dwelling in our midst being built together in love the spirit is at work within the church you know, Jesus is with us by being with Jesus' people. You know, being a Christian, yeah, I put my trust in Christ, I've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. But being a Christian and never having anything to do with Christian fellowship, never having anything to do with meeting with other Christians, uh, you're kind of missing out on the fullness of what it means to belong to a people to be reminded and that's one of the reasons we gather week by week that's one of the reasons we want to spend time in God's Word we want to be part of gospel communities we want to meet up and just even over a cup of coffee remind each other of Jesus because when we see other people that God's Spirit is also dwelling within We, we see the way that God is at work among us in the midst of disappointment in the midst of despair in the midst of discouragement how do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life know this Jesus is with us. He knows. He sees. He cares. He is with you now, by his spirit, if your trust is in Christ. I hope and trust you're encouraged to know of his presence right now or in days, weeks, months, or years to come when there's moments even of despair. Know that Jesus is with you. Know that Jesus is knows, sees, and cares for you. How do we deal with disappointment and discouragement in the Christian life? Two things. Number one, we believe that Jesus is with us. And for those taking notes, number two, and more briefly, number two is Jesus is coming back. Number two, Jesus is coming back. Turn with me back to Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Jesus is coming back. He's going to be with his people to the end of the age. Hey, that is really good news. The age is is passing away. Disappointments and discouragements won't last forever. They have an end date. They have an expiry date. You see there's kind of broadly speaking there's two ages that we need to grasp hold of from scripture the old age and the new age the old age began in the beginning in genesis 1 and 2 it started well it's a wonderful picture of god's pattern of god's creation of god dwelling with his people of god creating by his powerful word of God creating people in His image to know Him and to be known by Him. Genesis 1 creation account, Genesis 2 creation account are super encouraging and yet the old age, because of Genesis 3 and everything that follows, is marred by sin, is marred by rebellion against God where people don't trust in the Word of God or obey the Word of God, where we fail to love our neighbour as ourselves. And not just Genesis 3 and in the ancient world, but actually every single moment since sin first entered into the world, the old age has been marred. Things are upside down. Uh, The creation itself is in decay. These are all things that are part of the old age. And yet in the coming of Christ, In fulfilment of so many promises from the prophets, we have the dawning of a new age. In the first coming of Jesus, the new age is inaugurated. It commences. And then the new age is consummated uh, in Jesus' second coming. That is, on the day when the old age will be done away with. Imagine my two arms here for a moment. Imagine my left arm here is the old age and my right arm is the new age. We live in the crossover part. Uh, the, the, new, uh, the old age is here, uh, the new age began in the first coming of Christ but it's not until the second coming of Christ that will once and for all be done away with the old age, be done away with disappointments, be done away with discouragements, be done away with despair, be done away with decay, those things will have passed away, the old will be made new. Friends, every week of my life as a follower of jesus in this world and as a minister a servant of jesus in the church every week i'm discouraged by something every week i'm disheartened by something every week i know of my own inadequacy every week i know of my own sin for me personally understanding the age that I live in, that I'm in between two worlds, the old age and the new age, changes everything. To conclude tonight, I want to take you to two passages. that I've, There wouldn't be many months I don't return to these two passages physically in my Bible, and if I'm honest, there wouldn't be many days where I don't mentally go to these verses to be reminded of the perspective that I need, of knowing the time that I live in, of knowing the age and then pressing on and continuing to trust in Jesus. We won't spend long there. I could give long sermons on both these passages, but the first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self being renewed day by day the outer self is that which belongs to the old age the inner self is that which belongs to the new age verse 17 for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison i love that the apostle paul you go to 2 corinthians chapter 11 and paul lists all the ways that he's been beaten up in the last little bit It's ridiculous. (laughs) Left for dead, stoned, left naked, shipwrecked, attacked by bandits at the river. You know, there's just all sorts of stuff that he's endured. And yet he calls those afflictions light momentary afflictions. The tough things in this life are brief and light compared to the new age that is to come and the eternal weight of glory that is ours beyond all comparison. And so he says, verse 18... As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, friends, I reckon sometimes as followers of Jesus, we live in this overlap of the ages, and I think we spend way too much time focusing on comfort in the old age, accumulation of possessions in the old age, a growing property portfolio in the old age experiences around the world when borders are open. You know, we're constantly on about the old age and focusing on the things that we can see, feel and touch here and now. And yet we're encouraged in Scripture again and again to stop looking to the things that are actually fading away, the things of this old age, and to focus more on the new age, the eternal age, the age that will go on and on where we will have Raised bodies, physical bodies, imperishable, dwelling with God, seeing His glory, beholding His beauty. You know, it's a tricky time to live in. It's a time where we've actually got to stake our lives on the Word of God and not on the things that we can see around us and not on the experiences, good or bad, that are in our lives. But we stake our lives on this eternal Word And the promise that it holds out for all who keep trusting in jesus the final verse is revelation chapter 21 remember the context jesus has said i will be with you to the end of the age here is this wonderful snapshot and glimpse of the end of the age and it is stunning now fill your hearts and your minds with the image Uh, with the vision of what revelation chapter 21 gives to us the apostle john says this he says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away the old age and the sea was no more and i saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You know, in the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God is in a tent, is then in a temple. In the New Testament, it's Jesus. Hanging out with Jesus, you, you, you've got the dwelling place of God. Now, for us, we, ha- we are the dwelling place of God because God is in us by his Spirit. But this is a day that is coming. When we will see Him with our eyes, where we will feel Him, where we will touch Him, where we will be in His presence, we will be His people, He will be our God. And look at verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Remember those same nail-pierced hands of Jesus that have already suffered in our place uh, in the first coming of Christ. He is going to return. And those hands that have suffered will wipe every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, For the former things have passed away. For the old age has passed away. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, uh, also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, can you see it? You can't feel it and you can't touch it and you can't kind of grab hold of it like the tangible things in this old age. And yet this is what drives us forward. This is what enables us to deal with disappointment. This is what enables us to deal with discouragement. This is what enables us to keep trusting Jesus. And even if we've been beaten down to get back up and keep making Jesus known to the ends of the earth, knowing He is with us and He will be with us until He returns. I remember hearing uh, some years ago the story of Florence Chadwick. She was a long distance swimmer and in 1952, uh, Florence attempted to swim the 26 miles between the Catalina Island and the California coastline. Uh, As she began, she was flanked by small boats that watched uh, for sharks uh, and were prepared to help her if she got tired or hurt. Uh, And after about 15 hours, the thick fog began to set in. Now, Florence at that point began to doubt her ability and she told her mother, uh, who was in one of those boats, that she did not think she could make it. Uh, And so she swam for another hour before being asked to be pulled out, unable to see the coastline due to the fog. As she sat in the the boat, having quit the race, she found out that she'd stopped swimming just one mile away from a destination uh, 1.6 kilometers away from the shoreline and here's what she said she said all I could see was fog if I could just see the shore I think I would have made it two months later she tried again the exact same thick fog set in but this time she succeeded in reaching Catalina And this is what she said. She said that she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind as she swam. She she was able to continue the race. She couldn't see through the fog that was before her. But mentally, she was reminded, no, no, there's a finish line. There's an end in sight. Even if I can't see it, it's there. I'm going to keep swimming, I'm going to keep swimming, I'm going to keep going and I know that I'll reach that shoreline. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of the the fog of 2020 that's kicked on into 2021, that's kicked on into 2022 and guess what? Even if there's a pandemic that's over by 2023, there'll still be fog, there'll still be disappointments, there'll still be hardship and there'll still be the wonderful promise from Jesus that He is with us and He will be with us till the end of the age. And so let's keep our eyes fixed on Him. Let's keep swimming. Let's keep trusting Jesus. Let's keep knowing Jesus. Let's keep making Jesus known confidently because of what's ahead and because of what he's at work to do. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this last month and this opportunity we have had to consider a a rousing uh, commission from the Lord Jesus to, to make disciples of all nations, to teach people to follow after Jesus. And Father, as we think about this mission, we are thankful for those that have come before us in obedience to this commission. And Father, we ask that you would send us out to continue this mission here in our city and indeed to the ends of the earth. And Father, when we are confronted by disappointments and despair and inadequacy and frustration and fog and everything that is part of living in the old age, may we know that we are members of the new age. May we keep in mind Christ that finish line. May we know of his presence with us now by his spirit. And may we know of that day that is soon to come when those nail-pierced hands will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Father, speed that day. Um, While we wait, help us to keep encouraging each other to swim, to press on, to trust Jesus, to give ourselves to his mission in this world. And it's in his name and for your glory that we all pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast.